I've no idea, but it sounds like a show I might like. I, I, I like it's, uh, it's got kind of a certain feel to it. Um, it, it sets a certain mood, I guess I'm trying to say. It does. See, see if anybody's getting it. I am looking. No one yet. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be <laughs> out of the water if somebody's able to get it. Can you give me? Can you give us a hint? It's a show that my family is watching right now because it is entertaining for the gamut of us, and it's so there. It's not inappropriate for a third grader. And there's humor that entertains adults. It oh, here's a huge hint. Well, the only show that you've mentioned is Young Sheldon, but no, that doesn't I sound like it'd be Young Sheldon. I've mentioned this show very, very briefly before. It's it's not on anymore, but it's a recent show, and it lasted like three or four seasons. And it stars somebody from your favorite theme ever. Oh, oh, yeah. So it's uh, a good place. Yeah. Or the good, or the good place. Ted Danson. A good place. Yeah. The, nice. Ta-da-da. Yeah. That that makes sense now. Yeah, I have not seen that show uh, yet. It took about uh, four, five, six episodes to finally get into it, but mm-hmm. it's it's filled with so many twist plots. Yeah. The second you think you know where the show is going, it just goes, hmm. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an inter- interesting show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Joel and Rob's podcast. We are taking a break from when we make, we make the road by walking. And uh, we'll explore another topic today. So we thought we would explore the topic of failure. We... Uh, teased it out on Tuesday night, um, expressing that we're all, the two of us are well versed in this topic. Um, it is a close personal friend of ours. Um, uh, but the topic of failure and then how it also relates to our uh, journey of faith, uh, relationship with God, and uh, the Christianity that we are practicing. Um, so let's jump in, Rob. Um, so failure, it's, it's the norm, you could say, for all of us. We've all experienced it, yet it's, it's so difficult to talk about, and understandably. Um, why would you say, uh, what would you say to that, that it's so common yet so hard to talk about. Yeah, I, I think because it's tied into shame, mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to be. Like, there's no, there's no law, you know, anywhere that says, you know, if you make a mistake, if you fail at something, you should be ashamed of yourself. But the world in which we live has set up these rubrics that we laud success and achievement. And we poo-poo those fail. Um, Mm. Even though, (laughs) even though everybody, and I mean everybody, fails at least as much as they succeed. Yeah. 
Oh, if you think about that, we have, you know, our, our, our world society, especially Western society, I would argue, right, with capitalism, that an, an economic structure that seeks to reward success and punish failure, essentially, right? Um, we have set up a system that punishes people for something literally every single soul does. Um, and there may not be a direct consequence, but we grow up in the world to feel ashamed when we fail at something. And we respond to failures differently, kind of like what we talked about last week with, with anxiety. Mm-hmm. We respond to anxiety differently. Some of us want to control. Some of us yeah. um, just kind of get paralyzed uh, and hunker down. We respond to failure differently. Some of us um, are so terrified of failing that we just don't try. Or what we are willing to risk and endeavor is incredibly limited. So we, we've grown so averse to the notion of failing, we don't want to try something that we may actually end up failing at. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yep. yep. Um, others of us um, define ourselves by our failures. So... Um, Somebody who hmm. who dreamed of I don't know becoming um, I don't know who who dreamed that that they needed to be the valedictorian of their graduating class and ended up being the salutatorian or, or something like that and they're not able to appreciate their achievement because they are so much more focused on what they didn't achieve than what they did achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, we let failure rob us of so much joy. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point of how we can have so much uh, success might be the wrong word, but um, uh, yeah, successful experiences in our life, and yet it's so easy just to concentrate on those failures. I, I still do that um, so often in my life. Um, I absolutely do. In, in fact, do it in the church all the time. You know, we'll, we'll have a Sunday where 95% of everything goes great. Yeah. And then and there's 5% that just <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> and, and it cannot go great in any number of ways. But you and I both, we both leave Sunday mm-hmm. sitting on the 5% that didn't go great instead yep. of celebrating the 95% that did. Yeah, that's so true. Yep. I, I'll share with everybody the Easter service that we have a part one of and a part two of. It took me the better part of that entire week to stop obsessing and focusing <laughs> on our tech failure well, in that service. I think you forgot there was a part like two and a half in there too, uh, or one and a half. So there was actually kind of three parts. Uh, <laughs> Yes. We can laugh about it now. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, and, and it was actually, if you, if, if we were to, able to go back and, and line up the services and be one, it was, it was a good Easter service. Yeah. That it was a, a different Easter service for us, but we got to celebrate resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime you get to celebrate resurrection, that's that's a good thing. But man, I was not in a celebratory mood as you know after the <laughs> service. 
I know. So um, thinking about failure, we've got we've got big moments, uh, larger failures, and we kind of focus in on those when we think of failure. But we also have kind of small everyday failures too, um, and we probably don't call them failures, but times where we uh, things don't go our way, we don't uh, act in ways we want to. Um, and those are kind of small failures. But thinking at first about big failures, I'm wondering if we could each share uh, share something, share a moment in our lives where um, uh, we we failed, um, that we feel comfortable sharing. I'll let you think of of one, and I'll and I'll share one myself. Um, and I I've, I've talked about it. A, in some context, but I can't remember where. But um, so after undergrad, I moved out to uh, the Chicago area where uh, was a youth director. So at 23, went through some training organization called Tent Makers, but really had no experience in youth ministry. When I say no, I mean no experience. Like I had all passion and sense of call, but just didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and for the first year. It was kind of failure built upon failure. I just wasn't doing a good job, to be completely honest. Um, uh, Teenagers were not engaged. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was overwhelmed. Um, And it came to right about my one-year mark. Uh, So this was a Lutheran church. And so uh, the ELCA... Um, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And when we participated in worship, we wear these these white albs, A-L-B, albs, they, they called them. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so whoever was a worship liturgist would wear them. And then you have this, this white robe you, uh, sorry, this white rope you, you put around it. Uh, and so I would kind of just tie that rope up and figured I it would hold. Never. There's actually a proper way to tie this rope. And so this one Sunday, I had a speaking part, and I would walk right out uh, in front of the congregation, elevated a little bit in the chancel, and would read my part. And as I'm reading, I felt the rope loosening around me. <laughs> and I remember, like, I remember as yesterday, like in real time going, uh-oh, oh no. And what do I do? Do I grab the rope and keep it and keep reading? Do I stop and tie it? Do I, like I've got one, I've got a microphone, I've got my, I've got my, my script. <laughs> and so I just let it fall down. <laughs> and then I kind of just turned, walked back, <laughs> sat down. And I remember looking over at, my head of staff pastor kind of was just like (laughs) (laughs) and I remember going home that day uh, and feeling the the shame it was not guilt it was shame and shame that I I had just failed as a youth director I I had not um, I remember thinking yeah this might not be for me and I would move back home to Connecticut and figure out the next career uh, for me. Um, 
And so that uh, over the over the rope or over is the rope kind of the the metaphorical kind of straw on the animal's back. Exactly. Yes. The it, that that was the um, cumulative uh, failure throughout that year. Um, but then I went that that summer and had. Um, a good group go to our middle school camp and it was a fantastic experience and the road turned for me. Um, but mm. that's one that comes to mind for me that I still think back on and smile now. It's, it's fun to think back on. In the moment though, it was, it was crushing. Mm. Mm. Anything come to mind to you that you'd like to share? Oh, I have so many. Failures. Uh, <laughs> my life uh, probably my earliest moment that I remember of, of really connecting shame and failure was in the third grade I got a C on my report card in science class and um, uh, I was it was made clear to me in no um, you know no uncertain ways that C's were unacceptable in our families mm-hmm. I was I was letting down the entire family by getting a C. Um, uh, and that was a fairly formative moment for me. Mm-hmm. And some people would argue that it was formative in a good way because yeah. it drove me to be a, you know, try and never ever get a C again. Yep. But um, that, it would, it was an impactful moment. Uh, I remember I had all, also always identified as a as an athlete. Mm-hmm. I got cut from the JV baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, that was for somebody who always identified himself as a really good athlete. That was really kind of jarring. Yep. Um, I remember applying to different PhD programs for graduate school and getting shot down. And those were disheartening. Yeah. Um, I remember getting into uh, my first call as an associate pastor and the senior pastor uh, was on vacation. And so I, it was my first time ever doing communion by myself. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, this church didn't do it by intention, but did it through servers. Elders and deacons would come up and we give them trays of bread and trays with cups, and then they'd go out and serve the congregation. Yes. And do as we were all trained to do do the bread first and the cup second. But I, in my great infinite wisdom, decided to do the cup first. <laughs> and by the time I realized that you don't do the cup first, it it had already gone out. And uh, after the service, a sweet older woman came up to me and said, you did the cup first, Rob. I said, I know. Did you like it? I said, no. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> and I was uh... like, oh, man. Like, the, there is no silver lining here. And then there's been plenty of times, and a lot of mine actually were regard um, uh, session at the governing board of our church. Mm-hmm. Um, not at Towson Presbyterian, mind you. I've, 
love our leadership here. But there's been many times I've left a session meeting, a session meeting where conversations about really important and big issues didn't go in the direction I expected them to go. Yeah. Where we ended up bickering more than actually prayerfully discerning. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we ended up putting roadblocks, in my opinion, um, to the spirit instead of creating pathways for the spirit. Mm. Just driving home thinking, I'm not so sure I can do this. Yeah. I'm clearly not <laughs> eating the way I think I should be. Yeah. Um, and questioning myself, questioning my sense of call, questioning if this is the right gig for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for sharing those. And I think this articulates a helpful uh, point when talking about failure is to talk about it um, and to talk about it with someone else. That. Uh, as you mentioned, how failure is so connected to shame, and I think about um, Brene Brown, who talks about shame and vulnerability, um, and and how they're so um, they're so linked. Um, and she would add that one of the ways that you break out of that shame spiral is to be vulnerable with someone, and to bring that shame out into the light and talk about it with somebody. Um, I've heard of this uh, place in, um, or this program in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's called Failure Lab. Uh, it's in an auditorium that you would go see a, um, a music group play, a band play, and people get up and people in front of a packed audience share a moment when they have failed. Um, and uh, it, it's to me it sounds like it would be a actually a very powerful moment they say this um, at Failure Lab they say every one of us will fail the real question is how we will respond um, and so let's talk a little bit about failure and um, and Christianity uh, so when I think of when I think of the Bible, um, it's filled with stories of people failing. Hi. Um, I said hi. So I would say the Bible has a whole lot more characters in it who mess up and mess up royally. A whole lot more episodes of people messing up and messing up royally. Yep people who get it right um, because we need to remember that even the everybody outside of Jesus Christ in scripture every single person in scripture outside of Jesus Christ the great Moses right the great King David Solomon uh, even the great prophets like Jeremiah or disciples um, Paul all of them all of them have tons of moments in scripture where they are not just failing but they are failing big time yeah yep hugely I think about um, 
the juxtaposition of, uh, in the Old Testament, of David, King David, and King Saul. And um, I had this uh, discussion on it in my uh, intro to Hebrew Bible class. It wasn't at Princeton Seminary. This was at Drew University um, in New Jersey, uh, Madison, New Jersey. I was taking a class to to figure out if I wanted to pursue uh, seminary studies. And we were looking at King Saul and King David. King Saul came right before King David. And King Saul had a he has a troubled story. His, his, his story is troubled. It's, um, it's just laced with um, failure and um, uh, not, not being the king that Israel hoped he would be. Um, and my teacher made this one comment that has stuck with me ever since. He said, we, we spent all this time looking about, at King David and all that he did and represented, although he had failure too, but there's still so much about him that is, that is still praised. And he said, do you think most people can relate with David or they can relate with Saul? <laughs> Whoa! And that hit me like a, a, a ton of bricks. Um, that, yeah, I can relate more with Saul than I can more with David. Absolutely. There often, there often is um, this uh, feeling or expectation in Christianity that um, you come with all your stuff together. You come having everything figured out. You come um, not in your broken self or your uh, uncertain self, but with your, uh, I I got it all under control self. Um, And how uh, untrue that is when we get to authentic Christianity um, one of my favorite verses, and um, this one always speaks to me, is when Jesus says, um, um, "I have, um, I have. Uh, what does he say? Um, oh, the healthy don't need a doctor. I have come for those that need um, that need a doctor." Um, so if you're coming to me and you got everything figured out, there's really not much I can do for you. I hear Jesus saying in that phrase. But if you can come to me um, with your most vulnerable and raw and unpolished and unfinished self, I hear Jesus saying, ooh, I, I, I could do some good things in your life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and. And the truth is, the truth is, while, while pride often wants to get in the way and shield us from seeing our brokenness and seeing our woundedness and seeing the way we break others and the way we wound others, the truth is there, there's not a soul on this side of the grave, right, who doesn't stand in need of some healing or some form of wholeness. Yep. In our Reformed tradition, we, we maintain that we're all sinners and that not one of us is capable of not not sinning um, but uh, we live in this kind of sometimes 
egotistical, narcissistic kind of bubble that by which we try and shield ourselves um, from that, or whereby we get so afraid, as we said before, that we, even in the church, avoid that which we think is too hard or too risky to fail. Um, and that includes projects, like big missional projects, mm. uh, but it also includes our, like what we invest our money in, frankly. Um, what do we invest our time in? What do we invest our energy in? What do we invest our treasure in? Um, sometimes we're so afraid that something's going to fail, even if we really believe, no, this could make a difference. This could change lives. This could, this could grow the kingdom unlike anything we're currently doing. Yeah. But we're so afraid of the failure from it and the repercussions of failure that we dare not risk it. Yeah. Um, hmm. And that too stands, uh, I think, directly opposed to, uh, to what faith is all about. Because faith, if, it, if, if faith is anything, it's trust. Hmm. in where God is leading us it's faith in the grace that is ours even when we aren't aware of it yep um, and so failure can often lock fear of failure um, or, or memories of failure in, in a church's past can hmm. often in the way of, of our willingness to venture forth and, and spread God's kingdom in new ways yeah and, and, and that's true on a communal level the, you know the community level and it's very much true on the individual disciple level mm. right it's I'm not going to join that Bible study because I'm afraid I'll fail and will look silly in front of other people mm. I'm not going to go on that mission trip because I'm afraid that it's going to be too hard for me so I'm not going to risk tasting what that life-changing experience might mean. Hmm. Or I'm afraid of fill in the blank. Yeah. We we do it we do it as a community, but we do it as a community because we all do it as individual disciples. Yeah. Too. Um, the fear of failure gets gets right in the way of our own ability to trust in the discipleship process, which we have to remember. It, and, I, and I'm glad you brought this up before. It's not discipleship is, if it's anything, it's it's practice, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're disciples. We're learning from their master. Jesus's twelve disciples were were learning from Jesus, who was their master rabbi. Yeah. So Jesus didn't expect them to get it all right. Didn't expect them to know it all on this side of the grave. Mm. Three years modeling and teaching and reviewing and correcting the 12 over and over and over again, even up until his dying breath, right? Up until his dying breath, Jesus was still mentoring, teaching, showing, modeling. Because discipleship is all about practice, Mm. about perfection. Um, And so if if we're not willing to do things that are risky, if we're not willing to fail, and we're not going to grow as disciples. Yeah. That's really helpful to talk about failure as an individual, but also how failure can get its hooks in us as a church and as uh, ministry groups and as committees and 
um, and that how healthy it is for us to say, yeah, we're feeling called to do this. We might fail. And if we do, okay, what are we going to learn from it? And let's get out there again. Let's throw this against the wall and let's see how we do. Um, And no matter what happens, God is in it in some way. Um, So that's really helpful to, for you to talk about that as what does failure look like as a community, as a, in a, in a system, as a church. Um, And then the individual aspect too um, is so key as a disciple. um, uh, I've found this spiritual practice to be so helpful um, uh, in a time of silence with God to simply name who I feel that I am in that moment. Um, All that is good and positive and my gifts and all my areas of um, challenges and failure and not living up to who I want to be. Simply name them all and then just sit with that in the presence of God and invite God to be a part of it. Um, that I think is a spiritual practice that we can take on that will that will bear fruit in our lives. Um, I've never done that. That sounds big. It's good and it's hard, but um, but you're getting at that shame aspect that you talked about and not being able to talk about it with someone else. Um, uh, whether that's God a reminder of, of the gospels you know one of the gospels greatest claims is that even though we all fail nobody's failures define them mm-hmm. right yep. we are not our failures we fail but we are not our failures yep and here's the paradox that I've that I've uh, encountered in my life and what I think is um, a core piece of Christianity Um, to truly experience the depth of God's love for you, sometimes the way to do that is to fail. (laughs) In moments where I have um, not lived up to who I want to be or failed in some aspect of my life or discipleship or just my life, it's been in those moments where I've experienced the love of God in a deeper way. <laughs> Absolutely. Your so, greatest failures and your greatest shames, it, it can oftentimes lead you to your deepest uh, revelations of God's grace. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, thanks, Rob. I would, yeah, I would just add the other thing, going back to yours you know, with your belt uh, and, and that failure up there. The one thing, in my previous congregation, we were close to Princeton Seminary and the Reformed Theological Seminary, so we often had theological interns. And I would say something to them because I found it so true for me mm-hmm. um, when it came to leading worship. And that would be, I can't wait until you fail and fall right on your face mm-hmm. in the middle of a worship service. <laughs> No, I would say I really, I really hope 
hope that happens for you here. Um, and of course, I understood kind of the shock value of that. They'd be like, well, why? And I would say, because you'll learn that it's okay. Yeah. You'll learn that it's, it's okay to fail when you lead and that everybody does it. And you're going to see me fail in my leadership here. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Well said. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Uh, We'll be back and with you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for worship, where we are still celebrating uh, Gifts of Women. We are very excited about that. Um, We'll wait till Sunday to tell you a little more about that and who's getting up to offer a reflection. But um, you can find us... uh, at thousandpress.org and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, everybody.